Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. This past Sunday, I visited a wonderful evangelical Bible preaching church. During the announcements, the pastor said, our church has planted 40 new churches in Nepal. Nepal is the Hindu nation just north of India. But then the pastor said, we're calling for a special prayer meeting this week because the government of Nepal has passed a law banning the spread of Christianity. And he said that law goes into effect later this week. So we want to pray that God might do a miracle because he said, our Christian brothers and sisters in Nepal are going to be hunted down and arrested. And I heard those words and I thought of the last words of the Apostle Paul to young Timothy, which basically are, the Christian life is a sacrifice. Would you take out your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul's swan song before he dies. And let's pray first. Oh Lord, we pray for the Christians in Nepal, in Saudi Arabia, in Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, parts of Indonesia, where they are suffering for their faith. God, we pray you give them strength, fill them with your Holy Spirit. May they not deny you. And Lord, help us Christians in America, pray for them, give, for the agencies that protect, that uh, support them. And Lord, we would pray that you teach each of us now about sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. So around 60-something A.D., Paul is an old man, and he writes this to young Timothy the preacher, 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're looking at verse 6. Paul writes, I already am being poured out as a drink offering, that's a sacrifice, and the time of my departure has come. Here's the first lesson. Paul saw the Christian life as a sacrifice. So many of the TV preachers that are on TV are into what's called the prosperity gospel. And Jesus came to earth to make you financially prosperous. I reject that. Jesus came to earth to get us out of hell. Try preaching the prosperity gospel to the Christians in Nepal. It ain't going to fly. And the Christian life, says the Apostle Paul, is a sacrifice. In the early 1800s, James Calvert and his little missionary group left England and sailed to the Fiji Islands. Before they got off the boat, the captain said, You'll die if you get off this boat. These people are headhunters. And James Calvert replied, Sir, we died before we left England. And they got off the boat and many converted. They were safe. But the Christian life is a sacrifice. It is said that in the days of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, if a knight would return from a battle with no wounds, 
the king would push the knight back out the door and say, go get your scars. And Paul the Apostle wrote, I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus Christ, the scars. And I don't think on Judgment Day, God's going to look at us for looking for medals or prosperity. He's going to be looking for scars. In the 1800s, there was a woman by the name of Mrs. Comstock, an American who went to India to, preach, to spread the gospel through missions. She had her daughters over there, was with her daughters every day, but then her daughters had to be educated and they had to leave India for America. And the big struggle in Mrs. Comstock's heart, Comstock's heart was, do I go back to America with my girls or do I stay here with my mission work? And the story goes that a heartbroken mother watched her daughter sail out to sea, waving her handkerchief. And when the boat got out of sight, she knelt on the sand and said, Lord Jesus, I am doing this for thee. I'm putting them into the hands of relatives and now to America, and I'm staying here for thee. And she had the opportunity to see many more people come to Christ in India. The Christian life is sacrifice. Here was a Christian teacher in Japan. She didn't make much money. Some of the money she sent to her elderly mother, but every month she wrote out a, a large check to missions. And somebody saw her checkbook and knew her situation and said, that's too hard for you. And her response, I want it to be hard. Paul's last words to Timothy are, the Christian life is a sacrifice. Let's look at verse 7, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. Paul writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Here's the next lesson. Paul saw Christianity as a fight. <laughs> and he writes in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, mere humans. We're fighting against the spiritual hosts of wickedness. We're fighting the devil and demons. Christian life is a battle. It's a fight. Some liberal pastor said, I don't believe in a literal devil. And somebody responded, try fighting him for a change. You'll find out. <laughs> and the Apostle Paul, as he went around the Roman Empire preaching the gospel, it was obvious there's the devil who wanted to stop all this. But Paul fought the good fight. Do you realize that your purpose in life is to fight the good fight of faith till the day you die? Too many Christians are flippant about church attendance, about Bible reading. And I, I got an email recently. Pastor Brock, I believe, but I don't go to church. I haven't been gone to church for years and I don't read my Bible anymore. I don't have the assurance of my salvation anymore. And I wrote her back and I said, that's because you got to start fighting. You need to start going to church again, reading your Bible again, because the Christian life is a battle. I mean, there are days I wonder if I'm saved, but the way I fight those doubts is I take Holy Communion, I read the Bible, go to church, pray. You got to fight. The Christian life is a battle. Look at verse 8. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. 
Here's the next lesson. Fight to gain the crown. Do you know that the Olympics were founded in 776 BC? So when Paul was writing this letter in the 60s AD, Olympics were famous even back then. And in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, the, the athletes fight to gain the imperishable crown. They put a wreath around the athletes who won the Olympics. But we fight, we Christians fight, to gain the imperishable crown. So the, the point here is, fight to gain the crown. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church in the 1700s. And he was an educated, cultured man, but he gave it all up to get on horseback and for years rode from town to town preaching the gospel. One day, a wealthy man invited Wesley to his mansion. He showed Wesley his beautiful grounds, manicured lawns, beautiful mansion, lovely furnishings. Wesley said, I too have a relish for such things. Ah, but there is another world. Meaning, Wesley kept his eye on the crown. He was fighting for what's important in life. Look at verse 16. We skip to verse 16. At my first offense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Here's the next lesson. Don't let faulty Christians keep you from Christ. What, what it looks like happened here is Paul got in trouble with the authorities, and some of his Christian friends took off. And Paul says, well, may the Lord forgive them. But Paul kept serving the Lord. I got another email. Pastor Brock, I don't go to church anymore because uh, certain, certain things happened that hurt my feelings. And, and I got the impression she does this, and she doesn't go to church at all anymore. She watches church on TV. And I, I wrote her back, you got to forgive these people. you got to find some church to go regularly. Watching TV on church isn't church. You need a good church. And my point is to her and to you, maybe you've had that happen. Don't let faulty Christians keep you from Christ. Keep going to church, forgive people, but keep fighting the good fight. Verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles, the non-Jews, might hear. And I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's the last lesson. Even if they kill us, we win. <laughs> Paul knows he's about to die. And according to early church history, we're not sure this is true. It's not in the Bible. But in early church history, the, the teaching is that Paul was beheaded by the emperor Nero in 67 A.D. But here Paul says, well, the Lord is going to rescue me from every evil deed. Well, no, he didn't. You were killed by Nero. Well, no, God did rescue him because the minute his head was separated from his shoulders, the Apostle Paul went right to heaven. And even if they kill us, we win. <laughs> and do you know, for the first 300 years of Christianity, they killed us. 
persecution after persecution after persecution. Uh, Paul died about 67 AD. Let me tell you another story. This is Ignatius of Antioch, a bishop in the church. Uh, he died 107 AD, and he wrote this to his friends before he died. All I pray is that when the moment comes, the lions will be quick about it. Forgive me for writing like this, but I do know what is best for me. No power, human or spiritual, must hinder my coming to Jesus Christ. So whether the, day, the way be fire or crucifixion or wild beasts in the arena, I can bear it, provided I am assured it is the way to him. So far as I am concerned, to die in Christ Jesus is better than to be king of the whole wide world. Do not try to tempt me to stay here by offering me the world and its attractions. Just let me make my way upward to that pure and undiluted light. And he died about 107. Fast forward to 155 AD. There was another bishop by the name of Polycarp. He was arrested at age 86, and the governor put him in the middle of the arena and said, Take the oath, revile Christ, and I will let you go. Polycarp's reply, Eighty and six years I have served him, and he has done me no harm. How can I blaspheme my God and king? Then the governor sent the crier into the middle of the arena. Three times the crier said, Polycarp has admitted to being a Christian. The crowd yelled, let him be killed. They lit a fire under him and Polycarp's last words, O Lord God Almighty, Father of thy blessed and beloved Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we have been given knowledge of thee, I bless thee for granting me this day and hour that I may become numbered among the martyrs to share the cup of thine anointed and to rise again to life everlasting. That was 155, and one more. 320 AD, 40 Roman soldiers were arrested for their Christian faith. The authorities took them out on a frozen pond, took all their clothes away, put them stark naked on a cold night in the middle of this pond as they stood and shivered on this, on this frozen pond. They had big cauldrons of warm water being heated by the shores of the pond to lure them to renounce Christ and, and save themselves. One of the 40 did, but the other 39 froze to death on the ice. The Apostle Paul said, the Christian life is sacrifice. Let, let's just review what we've learned. The Christian life is sacrifice. You gotta fight to be a Christian. You gotta fight to get the crown. Don't let faulty Christians keep you from church and following the Lord. And the good news is, even if they kill us, we win. And I'll just close with this. When I was 19 years old, my 53-year-old dad was dying of a brain tumor. And we knew for a year he was dying, and he knew it too, but we never talked about it. Kind of, we barely talked about it. It was kind of dysfunctional. But I remember Dad's kind of last words to me. It, weren't, it wasn't his very last words, but it's, it's his way of saying goodbye. And all he said was, Well, Tom, now it's all up to you. What the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy here, well, Timothy, now it's all up to you.
It's up to you to sacrifice your life for Christ and all the Christians that live after you. Please, dear people, don't buy this prosperity gospel. Be willing to sacrifice yourself for the sake of Christ. And one day you're going to discover it was more than worth it, more worth any prosperity that is offered on this planet. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, since you're talking about mur murders from the past and that, are there modern day mo murders now? Yes. yes, and Jackie, on this show we've promoted this a number of times. Let me do it one more time. Uh, everybody, you can go to uh, persecution.org and you ask for their free uh, newsletter that comes out once a month. I get it every month in my house, Jackie. It's called Persecution, and it'll tell you what's happening in Saudi Arabia, North Korea, China, Indonesia, all these places. And it's good for us to read and see what other Christians are going through for their faith. So, yeah, they're, it's still going. In fact, some, some are saying there's more persecution of Christians now than ever in the history of the world. Okay, I guess... You kind of answered my question that I was going to ask you is about where is martyrdom still yeah. happening the, today? The, yes. And you named... Right. And uh, probably the worst place in the world to be a Christian is North Korea. They're brutal on stamping out Christianity. Yeah. A person says they're afraid if they ever were persecuted for Christ's sake that they would deny him. Is there anything you can do to prevent that? Mm-hmm. You know, Jackie. I mean, fear is a terrible thing. Well, you know, I had a friend say to me years ago, Tom, I think if they put a gun to my head and say, curse Christ or die, I'm afraid I'd curse Christ. And I said to her, I'm afraid I'd do the same. That's why we pray now for strength. And Jackie, I like to pray for the persecuted on Tuesdays. I take a time normally on Tuesdays. But when I pray for the persecuted that they won't deny Christ, I also say a prayer for myself. Lord, help me never deny you. May I die before I would deny you. So I think all you can do is pray for strength. You know, I guess I'm afraid that if I was persecuted for Christ's sake, that I would probably mm -hmm. deny him. Yeah. Is there but, any? Well, but the Holy Spirit within you would give you the strength to stand firm. I mean, there are Christians who have denied Christ in the past, but a lot of them have died. And so we pray for the strength to, to be the latter group. <laughs> Okay, prayer is the answer to everything, yeah, I guess yeah. we have to say. If salvation is by God's grace and not by our efforts, then why does the Bible say you must fight the good fight? Yep, Paul the Apostle was the champion of the teaching that we're saved by grace alone, not by our good works. Paul also taught what we just heard in 2 Timothy 4. Timothy, you got to fight the good fight. you got to finish the race. you got to uh, get the crown. So yeah, we're saved by grace alone, but grace never is alone. Grace always moves us to fight, you know, grab the crown, etc. So yeah, we're saved by grace alone, but grace always moves us to, to follow Christ. Okay, a person says that they've been hurt by fellow Christians and they've stopped attending church. Can a person worship God without a church in their home or by I, themselves? I, I think if you're a shut-in and you can't get out of the house, then God bless you, watch church on TV. But if you can get out of the house, 
you know, the TV set is not the church. You can't get Holy Communion out of a TV set. And, you know, one of the reasons we go to church is not just to, to hear the sermon and be served. We go to church to serve and to teach Sunday school or be an usher or, you know, help with a missions group or whatever. So you can't serve a TV set. So the Bible teaches every Christian is to be part of the church. Watching TV is not church unless you're a shut-in. Yeah. Okay, we've talked about, you know, the Apostle Paul and about Timothy both. Mm -hmm. Whatever happened to both of them? Well, you know, I should have studied this on Timothy. I don't know that we know what happened to Timothy, and we're not sure what happened to the Apostle Paul, but the early Christian history on it is that he was beheaded under the reign of Nero in 67 AD. Regarding the Apostle Peter, the early Christian history is that, you know, the, the Romans crucified thousands of people. It wasn't just Jesus they crucified. That was their form of the electric chair. And the, the story goes for Peter that they were about to crucify him for his faith. And he said, I'm not worthy to die in the manner my Lord died. So they crucified Peter upside down. But these are very early history. We're not sure of all this, but that's, that's probably what happened. Yeah. Okay. So where can a person read about the martyrs of the ages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will encourage people to get three wonderful books. One is called Jesus Freaks and it talks about Christians who have died because they were considered freaks and died for their faith. It's called Jesus Freaks. Uh, or you can get Fox's Book of Martyrs, very old book that talks about all the martyrs through the ages. A wonderful book too is a newer book called From Jerusalem to Arian Jaya. And it's more about the spread of Christianity through missions, but in that book as well, they talk about people that have lost their lives. So those are three good books. Okay. Good Christian bookstores carry those. They do it, or you can order them, sure. Okay. If someone denies Christ, can they be forgiven for that later? Yeah. Well, er, when, all right, from, from the beginning of Christianity to about 320 A.D., the Christian church was persecuted for 300 years. There were Christians who fell and betrayed Christ. And now the big question in the early church was, okay, then they repent and they want to come back in the church. Do we let them back in the church? That was a, an issue. And they ultimately decided as long as they're repentant, we let them back. Because Jackie, can you think of somebody rather famous in the New Testament who denied Christ and God forgave him and took him back? Peter. Peter, three times. Three times. So Peter blew it and three times and God let him back in and made him the head of, you know, one of the leaders of the church. So the early church said, yes, you can be forgiven if you truly repent. So is persecution good for the church then? I saw a, you know, the, 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 sadly the church in China, excuse me, the church in China is growing and growing. It's underground. Um, the government has been more lax, but real recently, China is cracking down again on Christians. And I saw a Chinese pastor say, don't pray for an end to persecution in China. Persecution, good for church. <laughs> and, and you know, but Jackie, I don't want persecution to come to the church in America, 
but I wonder if it wouldn't be good on good for us. We the the American church has become so secular. I mean, we got whole denominations that are promoting abortion rights, homosexuality. We got then the conservative churches, some of them promoting the prosperity gospel. I have a feeling that stuff would clean up if if persecution were to come to America. Um, we happened to get a letter this week too, yeah, yeah. and I. It's very appropriate for this to close maybe by t saying what this person says. Okay. I'm sick to my stomach after chaperoning at the National Youth Indoctrination, or um, I mean gathering. Of the, the ELCA Lutherans. Right. The problem is I'm dealing with our twofold. Firstly, I'm very active at our current church, and it's really filled with some great people. Secondly, my wife, who was born and raised in the ELCA, thinks I'm rushing to judgment. Our congregation is different. We should give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm looking for guidance on how to facilitate the exit. Do I just walk away? Do I let it be known why I'm leaving? Or do I wait until our pastor retires and make the move then so it seems less mm -hmm. obvious? Yeah, and just so people know exactly what's going on, if you saw this show a few weeks ago, the Liberal Evangelical Lutheran Church in America had its big youth gathering, 31,000 youth. They put before them Nadia Bowles Weber, a radical pastor who had them all say after her, I renounce the lie that queerness is anything other than beauty. And then they brought on the stage an 11 year old boy who thinks he's a girl to promote transgenderism and the teenagers were just loudly applauding. He went to that and he wants out of the ELCA. And so quickly, uh, here's what I told him. <laughs> because uh, he's got his wife saying, let's wait, and people saying, no, it's not, the, let's wait. And my, my response was, back in 2009, the ELCA voted to ordain practicing homosexuals, to do gay weddings, etc. Now they're promoting transgenderism to teenagers. I said to him, it's long past time to get out. And, I, and here's what I said, you leave quietly, and I said, you leave very humbly, you ve leave very lovingly, but you leave very loudly. And I said to him, you should tell the pastor, you should tell people in the church, I can't in full conscience be part of a denomination that pays for abortions with offering dollars, which is what the ELCA Lutheran Church does. So does the Episcopalian Church, so does the Presbyterian Church USA. I can't be part of a church that's selling homosexuality and transgender. I, I said, be very vocal, be humble and loving, but be vocal because your vocalness might help other people think about leaving. So that was my advice, Jackie. Tom, we've only got like 30 seconds left in that, but you know, could you maybe close in prayer yeah. for these churches let's, let's that, that are doing this? Good idea. God the Father, we pray for the Presbyterian Church USA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Episcopal Church. We pray for the United Methodist Church, the Disciples of Christ. These denominations that used to be good biblical churches that have gone over the cliff. And we pray, Lord, many people will have their eyes open to see when it is time for them to leave and join a more biblical denomination. Lord, just we just cry out for the people in these churches that they will not be harmed, but would get into a good church in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.